Hey everybody, this is Daniel Patrick, and this is episode number 82 of the Mandolins of Beer podcast, brought to you in part by my favorite website, the Mandolin Cafe. I want to thank everybody who took part in the Band Camp Friday. I got a lot of great feedback from uh, not just artists, but from, from listeners of the podcast as well. So thank you guys so much. I'm going to leave that link up on my website, so that way you can just go there, and if you want to pick up something from Band Camp, you can get it directly from the people. And um, every Friday, I think, coming up for the next few months, every first Friday, of the month, I should say. I believe Bandcamp is going to be doing that, but I'll let you all know in a couple more weeks. So thank you very much for doing that. I want to thank my sponsors, of course, Peghead Nation. They have those streaming video courses, a mandolin, guitar, banjo, fiddle, dobo, ukulele, and bass. You'll learn bluegrass, old time, and other styles from some of the most talented players and instructors in roots music. As a matter of fact, let me name these people here. Sharon Gilchrist, Mike Compton, John Reichman, Aaron Weinstein, Marla Feibish, and Chad Manning, and Joe K. Walsh. And Joe K. Walsh has a new one that's going to be coming out and a new album as well. It's going to be amazing. Um, and Joe's going to be on here. We're going to talk about it. And that'll be in a few more weeks here, so it kind of lines up with everything. But in the meantime, go to Peghead Nation and check out any of their courses that have high-quality multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation tab, and play-along tracks. There's plenty of tunes and songs to play. And join today and get your first 30 days for free by using the promo code mandolin beer at checkout that's mandolin beer all one word i also want to thank northfield mandolins let's build more than a mandolin together check out their website at northfieldmandolins.com or download their app at mandosummit.app for lots of special performance recordings demonstrations and special workshops also, Ear Trumpet Labs, who hand-build microphones in Portland, Oregon. Their mics are beautifully designed. They have great feedback rejection for live use and the most natural tone you'll find for acoustic instruments. Check them out at eartrumpetlabs.com today. I love mine. And Ellis Mandolins, handcrafted mandolins designed and built in Austin, Texas. Thank you so much to the sponsors who make this possible every single week. And also thank you guys as well for listening every single week and leaving comments and reviews and following me on the Instagram and the Facebook and the Patreon. I really, really appreciate it. You all make this possible. And uh, I, I can't tell you how much. I got some really nice emails again this week, and it's really nice to hear from you all. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And let's get into it. I thought it'd be cool to, uh, we had Michael Cleveland on last week. He's got an incredible mandolin player in his band, Nathan Livers. And uh, it was great to talk to Nathan. He's a great sense of humor, and it was cool to talk with him. He's got a single with his uh, side band that's called Bourbon Revival, and that's going to be coming out any day now. But you can follow them on um, Instagram and Facebook and go to their website as well. I'll have links at mandolinsandbeer.com. So let's get into it with Nathan. Cheers, everybody. All right, now it's my pleasure to welcome to the podcast Nathan Livers. Nathan, how's it going, buddy? Good. How's it going? Good, man. Thank you so much for uh, for doing this and actually switching the day up for uh, for me. I appreciate the flexibility. Yeah, no, no problem. It's uh, it's the uh, you know the Uber and Lyft drivers plot in life to be flexible. <laughs> That's right. You said you've been uh, you've been doing some Uber and Lyft driving here during the yeah, uh, pandemic. Yeah. It fits the gig economy pretty well. So yeah, I bet. Well, you guys did just do um, some shows. At, was it one or two shows down in Florida just uh, just recently? Yeah, yeah, down there in the uh, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, the islands, uh, something's something with an S. <laughs> uh, 
Gosh. Uh, I, I've got it right on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah. Down in Florida. Florida. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, uh, some old, I guess the thing with those islands is like they're really, the people there were really all about preserving the, the way they were. So there's, you know, a lot of people are bike riders and walkers and not too many cars down there, which is kind of cool. Sanibel. Sanibel. Oh, Island. yeah. Yeah. How did it feel yeah. to, to get out there and play music in front of people again? Man, man, you want to talk about it's both the most exciting thing and the most nerve-wracking thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, it's probably the biggest cause of stress in my life, but I love it, you know, so. Do you guys get together and rehearse ahead of time? Usually, yeah, especially if we've had a long break or something. It's just It's just good to kind of get the cobwebs out of the attic, so to speak, you know. Yeah. How do you guys, when you play live, do you, do you stick to a um, similar set list or do you kind of mix it up every show? Uh, you know, it really depends. We, we, uh, we, we try to look at the crowd and, and see what the crowd's going to be like. And then if we need to be a little more traditional, then we'll, we'll do that, you know, but we do have some out there songs that we'll do. And we do have an out there take on like Sally Gooden, you know, where we get into a kind of a jam band thing. And oh, cool. Depending on the audience, yeah, we'll we'll kind of switch it up a bit. But usually, it's we'll have a select amount of songs for the for the season, you know, and uh, especially if we're promoting a new album or something like that. And, you know, we'll have the the hits, so to speak. And speaking of that, you mentioned you uh, you guys are getting ready to uh, do some studio work. Yeah, we're getting ready to go into the studio again, which is pretty exciting. I think we're going to probably do, I don't know if we're going to do the single route this time or full album route. It seems like everybody's kind of going to the single thing. Yeah, it seems to, uh, if you've already got albums worth of stuff out there, you mm-hmm. know, it seems like it's probably the way to go with the way people buy things any longer or, yeah, or don't I mean, buy things. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, the CDs are dying, you know, they really are. We hardly sell any at shows anymore, and it's, and we sell plenty on iTunes and whatnot, which is, you know, that's, that's where it's at now. People like a song, they buy one song, you know. And then you also have kind of another uh, side project called Bourbon Revival that's getting ready yeah. to put a, put a video out there. Yeah, we literally just shot the video today. I've, I've probably walked the, uh, the uh, walking bridge there in Louisville about 40 times today trying to get this all right. It's, it, we're doing a thing where we're, we're, we're playing along to the track that we've already got recorded and, you know, and we're walking as we're playing and singing and whatnot. So getting that, and it's a one take deal. Like we're trying to get it all in one take. So it looks real cool with the video and he's walking around us and all this neat stuff. And uh, yeah, that's kind of tough getting all that right without, having any flubs and <laughs> yeah and it's a it's a it's a is it a 2000s cover i'm trying to think of when that song came out that is mm, 90s you know, I, 2000s i think i think somewhere along in there it's kind of like anthem kind of thing shut up and dance is the song uh everybody knows it. everybody i played it for they're like yeah i know that song <laughs> and that's kind of that's kind of what we do is in bourbon revival we do a lot of like pop hits and Things like that, and just kind of bluegrass them up slightly, because we do have like a kick drum that we play with as well. Oh, cool! Yeah, our, our bass player. And when I say kick drum, I mean it's just a pad that 
Jeff, our bass player, he just stomps on as we play, which kind of adds that low end thump that you don't really have with most bluegrass music. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's you know it's a great uh, it's a great not uh, not the uh, distraction uh, but uh, alternative to what I do with Flamekeeper. You know, it's kind of we do a lot of traditional stuff there, and then getting out and kind of spreading the wings. And essentially I'm like just the snare drum in this band. So I'm kind of doing the Sam Bush rhythmy thing where you kind of make some of it's a little reggae and some of it's just straight up, you know, four, four beat, uh, whatever, you know, does this band have an album mode or anything? Uh, we're working on like the single thing. We're doing the single thing and uh, shut up and dance is already recorded and we're just waiting on the video to come out and we'll be putting that out. I think that it's already out. I'm not sure what it's out on to be honest with you. Tom, uh, the banjo player is the one that kind of handles all that stuff. All right, doesn't look like it is available yet, but people can go to the website and it uh, looks like the uh, website's going to be updated. Uh, I don't believe that is you on that page either. Yeah, I, my picture's not quite up on the website yet. But <laughs> I was going to say, unless you got like bright red hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's a, that's a good player, uh, Isaac. Isaac May, he's a heck of a mandolinist from uh, from Lexington and Louisville area. Oh, cool. Uh, young dude. He uh, he uh, he worked down there at the uh, Wood Songs with uh, Michael Jonathan. Oh, that, no way. Uh, yeah. Love that show. Yeah, that's a good time. We've done it a few times now. Oh my gosh, I bet. Yeah. Do you have any favorite venues that you uh, that you've been able to play? I know I've seen a couple really cool ones with you guys, like the. Uh, oh my gosh, what it, I'm going to call it the wrong thing. Those caverns there. You know that's that's a super awesome thing to play, but for me, uh, you know when I when I get to play at like Bean Blossom, Indiana, that's that's my home festival and. Uh, you know, that's, that's where I grew up playing music and getting to play there is always awesome. And, uh, of course we played the Opry, which is incredible and that's bucket list stuff for sure. Yeah, man. I think, I think we've done it like seven times now, which since I've been in the band. Holy cow. Yeah. Maybe even eight. I'm not sure. Oh my gosh. That's incredible. I've got all the posters. I get a poster every time and I've got them stashed away here somewhere. Oh, man, that's amazing. Get them out and count. <laughs> <laughs> how'd, you, uh, how'd you get into playing mandolin? Man, uh, so my dad has always been into music, into bluegrass and stuff like that. So he always played like Bill Monroe and Stanley Brothers and stuff like that as I was growing up. And my brother played banjo and guitar and dad started playing music and... Uh, he, he picked up guitar and my sister started playing about the same time he did. And she picked up the guitar and really, I mean, and I always liked Monroe and my favorite Monroe album was master of bluegrass. And we, we listened to that almost daily. to play the mandolin like bill bill monroe you know and uh and he, and, and he got me a mandolin and uh i took a lesson and 
and I said, man, I don't think this is for me. <laughs> and I quit. <laughs> and I quit for a whole year, you know, and then uh, and dad, he said, OK, that's fine, you know, whatever. And then about a year later, and, and dad and Billy, and Billy's my sister, and uh, David, my brother, the one that played the banjo, they all kind of still played in the back room, and they were learning and playing and doing all this. And I, I started noticing they were having a lot of fun doing that. And I'm like, well, maybe I want to do this again. You know, this about a year later after I'd quit. And I said, you know what? I think I'd like to play the mandolin again. And he'd already gotten rid of the mandolin we had. Oh, no. <laughs> so... He went in and he got me a good one this time, a really good one. It was a fourteen hundred dollar uh, Kentucky mandolin. Oh no, kidding! Nice. And and he got this mandolin and he told me, he said, "Boy, you're gonna pick every day." <laughs> 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 and he said, "Are you sure?" You know, he told me right off the bat. He said, "If if I'd get this for you, you're gonna play every day." And I was like, "Okay." And I was like. 10, <laughs> 10, 11 years old, you know, <laughs> didn't realize my lifelong contract. I was just signing there. So, but, uh, yeah, yeah. There was some times where I hated it and didn't want to ever play again, but you know, that's pretty much the story of how I got going. Dad taught me the first few chords and I guess we probably played chords for the first four or five years before I ever even learned a melody note. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. a good thing. The good thing to have, though, a lot of people don't always develop that killer rhythm. Well, yeah, well, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it was mostly, <laughs> it was mostly, it was mostly little cheater G chords, you know, stuff like that, two fingered chords, D uh -huh. chords, and all that. And then uh, we, we, Dad, run into somebody, a, a couple named Mars and Mamie, somewhere. I'm not sure how they met, but they started coming over and. Uh, he was a picker. He he played lead on the guitar, you know, and I started kind of learning some breaks from him and things like that. And then we met this old couple named Ray and Mary, and I don't have a clue what their last names were, but this old guy had to be 90 if he was a day old. You wow. Know? And he, he knew about every fiddle tune on the planet. And the only problem was is they played together for years and years and years, and he would jump time. <laughs> in the middle of these songs well and she would go right along with him you know so he would come over and and i'd learn these fiddle tunes off of him and they'd all have a time jump in them at some point you know oh no <laughs> so getting getting past that was a pretty interesting thing uh but it was still fun you know i mean i learned tons and tons of tunes off of him you know uh all those old ones sally uh soldier's joy and Liberty and, you know, all those old standard tunes. Finally, because we used to go to a place called the Borden Schoolhouse, and uh, that was the local jam that I went to with Dad and and Mary and Ray and all those guys. And uh, eventually, we we went to a Stanley uh, a Ralph Stanley concert, and Art Stamper was playing fiddle there.
Ed got to talking to him about uh, about us picking, you know, and and somehow he convinced Art Stanford to come out to our house for a jam. Get out of here! And and yeah, he came out to our jam, and I couldn't play a lick hardly, and Dad couldn't hardly play a lick, you know, compared <laughs> to what Art could do. But he came out there and he jammed with us all night long, playing those fiddle tunes and stuff like that. And uh, that was probably one of the coolest things. I didn't even realize who he was, you know, at that time. And uh, I didn't realize the caliber of musician and all that stuff that I was playing with. But, uh, and he told us about the jam there at Henryville, which I'm, probably, I'm sure you probably talked to Mike about. And that's where I ended up meeting him. And the story is kind of told from there. With, <laughs> with him, you know. Yeah. How old were y'all when you guys met? I guess I was probably, I think Mike was 12 and I was probably 16 or 17. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's, so was it always just like the old school bluegrass too, that you were really into? Were there any other things oh, that yeah. were kind of creeping in there as far as influences? Yeah, it was, it was just, it was mostly Monroe, you know, Monroe mandolin is all I knew. I didn't know any other until, until I started playing in a band uh, called Here and Gone. And they introduced me to like Allison Krauss and Adam Steffi. got into that kind of mandolin for a long time and uh yeah and he changed my life you know he, he led me more in the direction that i'm in now because his mandolin playing is was so different than monroe's you know yeah that's what i was gonna say because you um you definitely i mean you can tell you're rooted in in old school stuff but your playing style yeah to, you know is a lot quicker and cleaner than a lot of you know some of the you know classic monroe stuff <laughs> yeah i mean i like i like it all you know oh yeah i, I like it all I, I like you know i'll steal licks from anybody <laughs> <laughs> oh i love that what was the uh, what was it like for you? Um, you spending so much time. How did you approach going at the Steffi licks as opposed to because it is it is like I mean it's almost like a different style of music in a sense. Well, it, it really was. I mean, you know, uh, Adam's the the king of the the, the eighth notes. You know, sixteenth and eighth notes. You know, he, everything is just note 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 note. And I mean, the only way that I had to figure it out, because I never saw them live or anything like that or had any YouTube or anything like that, I had cassettes. You know, I had one cassette and it had the album So Long, So Wrong on it. And on the other side, it had Lonesome River Band. Well, you know, and so you had Dan Tominski playing mandolin on one and then you had Adam Steffi playing on the other side. The stairway to heaven upon the solid rock. The foundation I build up on the solid rock. My pathway to Jesus is soon not forgot. The stairway is there for others to walk. The stairway to heaven up on the so solid rock. I was, you know, doing the thing where you reverse and play it and reverse and play it and reverse <laughs> and play it. Try to pick it up, you know, as you go along. And I wasn't, 
I was probably about 85% right on some of that stuff, <laughs> you know? Sure. <laughs> yeah. No, that's how you found, that's how you find your licks though. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I just, that, that's my flavor. That's what I call it. Exactly. That's what I always say. Right, close, close enough. That's a, that's a Dan Patrick lick now. <laughs> <laughs> Slower and sloppier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> So for you, was was there any other thing? I mean, did you did you want to be a full time musician as as you're playing the mandolin at at this point in your life? Um, you know, I I didn't know what I wanted to be honestly at that age. No, I didn't have a clue. Uh, I uh, I like to play video games a lot too, you know, and I always kind of thought it'd be kind of cool to get into uh, some kind of video game development or something like that. But I never really went down that road. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, dad, I mean, like I said, dad, I always played every day, you know, and, and I ended up meeting, uh, uh, this, uh, there was a few, uh, local little bands that I played with, you know, it'd be $20 here and $20 there. And, you know, it'd be like every once a month or something, I'd go out and play a gig, that kind of thing, you know? And, and I ended up meeting this guy named Charlie Lawson at one of those gigs, and he he was more of an entertainer type, you know. He uh, uh, and uh, so I, I I joined his band and him and his mom and uh, so a few other people that were in the band as well. And the whole thing was is you know I'd be up there dancing and 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 doing you know other things uh, more on the entertainment side of. I mean, it's kind of, you know, kind of more like uh, Branson-ish kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, like I'm, a show. It was more about the show than mm-hmm. the music, you know, yeah. which, which, you know, that taught me a lot. You know, it's like, okay, he, this guy's really good about reading the crowd and, you know, seeing what these people are really into, which is cool because we never had a set list, ever had a set list in that band. And he would just, you know, he would just bust out the song and you better be ready to go. (laughs) That's what the deal was, you know. Oh, that's awesome. And how old are you at this point doing those gigs? What's that? How old were you at that point? That was between probably 19 and I played with him for on and off for about 10 years. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was kind of a family thing, really. I mean, I, I consider those people family. Mm-hmm. You know? That's nice. Uh, yeah. 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 So, yeah, I played off and on with them. We had we had our ups and downs and all that good stuff. But it's all anytime I can play with the dude, I, I love to play music with him, you know. He was, he, you know, he played, uh, he played guitar in Mike's band for a short while, for oh, about a year or so, a couple oh, years. No kidding. After. Yeah. Oh wow, that's yeah. wild. Yeah, right after uh, he was the he was the guitar guy. Right after uh, the other band kind of disbanded, you know, the the original Flamekeeper band. Right, right. Yeah. So when you when you you mentioned playing every day when you were doing that, did you have like a routine set up for yourself to uh, to stick to? Man, your- it was. It was fiddle tunes. It was fiddle tunes, and Dad would sing, and and I would sing tenor to Dad, and that was it. You know, that's what we did. And I, I learned a new fiddle tune, and I teach it to Dad, and that's what we'd work on. You know, and we we played an hour, an hour every day. You know, whether we, whether we liked it or not. <laughs> Where were you finding like all the new fiddle tunes to learn? Did you have like a where you just get them off albums, or was there a, like a book or a resource you were using? No, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know 
that stuff was real hard to come by for me. I, you know, we would look out and find maybe an album in a Walmart or something like that. And it wasn't until I got into to, to places like Henryville where I discovered other musicians that had tons and tons of albums and music and stuff like that. Yeah, man, it, it's so it's so funny to think about. I, I mean, I grew up in that same era, the, the pre-internet era. And there's like, yeah, I mean, you were you could be turned on to something really cool or you could be listening to horrible music, all depending on who you hung out with. <laughs> you right, know what I mean? Right, right. And, and, you know, if they make it cool, you think it's cool, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I guess uh, I was kind of a rocker, too. And I never, I never really listened to country. So I liked, I like bands like Guns N' Roses and Metallica. Yeah, buddy. Same here, man. And stuff like that is kind of what I listen to other than bluegrass. And, you know, and, and, and everybody I talk to, they're like, oh, you like country? I'm like, I hate country. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can, I can appreciate it now, but, but back then it was like, man, it's just, it's slow and sappy. It's got no energy to it, to me. And then to me, metal and stuff like that that was energy you know and that was the same thing for me with bluegrass you know it's got that driving energy which is kind of what i dig about music so when did you um start playing exclusively with michael was there like um like a, a big moment where that happened i mean obviously you'd known each other for years i i, I never thought that i would play with mike in a band uh, it just, how come I it just, I didn't think I was good enough, frankly. Uh, and, uh, so I, I, uh, when Matt, when Mike needed a mandolin after Jesse, I told, uh, Ashby Frank, I said, man, Hey, Ashby, uh, Mike's Mike needs a mandolin player. And he went and played for him for a while. And Ashby's a killer player, you know, mm -hmm. um, but you now for whatever reason that didn't work out. And I just, I mean, I happened to be hanging out with Mike at the time and, and Charlie was there and Charlie being, you know, like family, he said, he, he, he kind of helped convince Mike to give me a shot. And I was like, are you sure, man? Cause I mean, we jammed a lot, but you know, I never, you know, I learned, I, here's the thing. If you go back and you listen to some of that earlier flame keeper stuff with me in the band, it's, it can be a little rough. <laughs> <laughs> and even, even to this day, some of us like, I eh, don't know what he's done, but you know, it's, it's, I've learned so much in this band, you know, more than I probably have in my, my 30 plus years of playing really. Sure. You know, you play with a guy like Mike on that, on that uh, on that level and at at that amount of music that we play, you got to get better. You got to you got to get it better, or you, you're just going to get left behind. You know. Yeah. Well, I remember seeing the first time somebody sent me a video um, of Flamekeeper playing. You know, you got to check this fiddle player out. And I'm yeah. like, fiddle player? Yeah, but who's the dude on mandolin keeping up with this crazy fiddle player, man? It was, I was just like, I love, well, that's, wait a that's second. The one thing I, that's the one thing I had going for me. I could always play fast. Yeah. You know, when we were growing up as kids, we had this thing where we would always try to push each other, see who could push each other faster and faster and faster, you know? Mm -hmm. and that, was just kind of the, that was just kind of the thing that we always had with Mike. So whenever I jam with him, it was like, Hey, let's play this song at 210 beats a minute, you know, <laughs> see if we can hang on. Yeah. yeah. What, what are some things you do to develop that before you, before, you know, like you said, you're playing fast, but what are some things that you work on to, to help 
play clean at that level. I mean, again, you can you, there's people out there you see videos of like oh, I learned this at 240, and somebody posts a YouTube video. I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that out there, right? Uh, I mean, for me, the cleanliness part of it. I mean, I watch Tony Rice play and, and watch watching his his left hand. You you can't see what the heck he's doing. It doesn't look like he's doing a thing. And I'm like, okay, that's that's the key right there for me. And if you look if you look at a lot of guys like you know Ronnie McCurry or even Sam or you know you watch their left hand, their hands move around a lot, and they can play fast. Don't get me wrong, you know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to knock them in any way, but but those guys have learned how to play fast with those flyaway fingers, and and I had to do it by getting everything close and tight, you know, like Tony did. Uh, There's a great story Alan Bybee told on this, how he um, he would practice standing close to like a door frame so his left hand fingers couldn't come any further off the neck of the mandolin. That's a, that's a, that's a good idea. I thought about <laughs> getting some kind of apparatus. You know, they've got these finger exercises you can put on your hands that kind of look like rubber brass knuckles. And they won't let your fingers pull apart very far. You can put them, you know, if you put them on your second knuckle there. But, of course, stretching out to a mandolin cords would make that kind of rough. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I'm surprised somebody hasn't invented something to kind of keep your hand close. Maybe maybe that's my million dollars. I don't know how I worked on that. <laughs> right, well, I was going to say, as, as far as the speed thing and the cleanliness of uh, when you're playing up to speed like that, it's just you got to relax the the right hand and relax the left hand. You just got to be chill while you're playing that fast. If you stress out at all, you're going to lose it. <laughs> you know, you just got to you got to at that point, you, it's all muscle memory. You know what I mean? You're you're not. I mean, unless you're like Mike, he can get away with like kind of throwing some ad lib stuff in there. But I pretty much got to know what I'm playing at that speed. Oh, yeah, you know, man. You know. Yeah. I mean, in the speeds, again, like I just remember just watching these videos. I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's <laughs> mm. so wild. What's your uh, what's your warm up sort of like the day of a show? Uh, I like uh, I like to play tunes that, that use all the fingers. Like I, I don't necessarily play fast to warm up, but I'd like to play something that's using all my fingers, like a Huckleberry hornpipe or, or, uh, or, or, uh, you know, uh, there's a Durham's reel where it uses every finger and, or even just scale type stuff where I'm using all the fingers, just getting them moving, you know, at 45 <laughs> years old, I've got to actually, I've got to actually warm up now or used to just get it out of the case and play top speed. No problem. You know? <laughs> yeah. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's definitely a warm up process now. If I'm not, if I'm, I, it takes about a half hour of moving the hand before I can really, really get into it. You know, did you do a lot of like, um, any sort of prep work after you knew you got the Michael gig before you started, um, playing yes. gigs? Yeah. Let's, <laughs> yeah. yeah let's, so let's I was, I was on vacation. Uh, I, I found out I was getting the gig and then I went on vacation to Hawaii. Oh wow! Well, while I was visiting Hawaii, I was learning flamekeeping, flamekeeper material, you know. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just a matter of learning the songs and learning the the backup and and a lot of the and you know a lot of the the breaks that I take, I learned just directly from Jesse Brock. And I might kind of throw my own thing in there, but for me, if 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 I'm playing a song. I kind of wanted to play it like the album was, 
because there's been so many times that that I'll go see a show and somehow play this killer break and I'm like, man, that's awesome. I'm gonna buy that album. And then the album will be somebody else playing something completely different. Right. You know, and <laughs> yeah. I'm like, man, that kind of stinks, you know. So my thing is, you know, I, I can't play a lot of the stuff that Jesse does, but, you know, I try to get it close at least to where it uh, it, it has that, that kind of feel and that kind of thing to it. And, uh, you know, now that we're doing our own stuff, I just kind of do my own thing, which yeah. is cool. Mike might help me with the lick here or there, you know. What but, was it? What yeah. was it like going into the studio for the first time with that? Was it different than any studio experience? Had you had any studio experience? Prior I, to that? I had been in the studio a couple times before that, but they were kind of loosey goosey, you know. Uh, it was, it was, it's, it's a different deal when you're in like a big studio like that, uh, you know, where you you got lots of money on the right on the line, and you know, and not so much time. <laughs> so <laughs> right. Uh, uh, we what, what we ended up doing we, we that first album we ended up trying to lay the track down just the rhythm and stuff like that and then come back and doing the breaks and things like that mm-hmm. and eh, it worked okay uh, but the, the 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 tall fiddler album was it was a lot more comfortable we we played with each other a long time and and it just you know that that song tall fiddler I think we did three takes on that. And that's the cut we got. There might be a few little fixes here and there in there, but nothing major. It's mostly a live cut. Now, were you there for that? Was got like quite a few special guests on the album. Were you there for all, for all those special guests? Just just Tommy. I was just I was I was the player on that cut. And let's see, I, I did play on the one with Dell, but he came in and sang the tenor later. Which else? What else am I on there? Um, uh, da, 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 da. Uh, uh, Dan came in and sang tenor on uh, Mountain Heartache. I was playing on uh, but I mean I was there for that but I was just there because I'd taken Mike down uh, but that was cool to hear him to hear him working on harmonies I wanted to be there for that because that dude's the you know professional of all professionals so good man yeah 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 
How was it playing with Tommy Emmanuel? There's another guy who uh, I'm not Dude, sure. Dude, that that guy, I, you know, I hadn't really heard of much of Tommy before Mike introduced me to that song and like some other stuff that he did. But man, he is a killer player. And and just just cool dude, man. Just came in and it's like, yeah, let's go, you know. And he's he's all about it. And he, you could see the look, even in the studio, you can see the look of love in his eye. He loves to play, you know. And just you know, he looks like he's having a good time no matter what. I um I got to see him and Dog play together. Oh, that's cool. It that's was cool. great. And then um Rob Ikes and uh, Trey Hensley were the open. Yeah, those those dudes were killer. Yeah, and they came out and all played together. And oh man, <laughs> I bet, I bet. <laughs> that's so incredible. So, what other um aside from those, were there any? I know you mentioned like listening to like Metallica and Guns and Roses, but do you have any other influences that have kind of maybe styled your your mandolin playing that or any of those things that have snuck in? You think that that might make you sound like you? Uh well, I mean, honestly, I liked I, I liked banjo. Like the banjo was my favorite instrument, even even though I, I picked up the mandolin. But I know only reason I didn't play banjo is because my brother played it, you know. Uh, and I and uh, I play a li- I play a little bit of it now, you know. And I played a lot more before I ended up. Uh, so I worked construction. Uh, and you have to pardon me. I'm a little ADD, ADD so the oh, stories are going to kind of run. No worries, in. buddy. <laughs> So anyway, so to get to the banjo thing, uh, I uh, I worked construction, delivered in drywall and stuff like that down in Florida. And I ended up uh, hurting my finger, hurting my thumb, my, my right-hand thumb on one of those metal studs. Oh, no. Uh, and, and I had cut it clean down to the bone. Whew. Cut the nerve, cut the tendon, the whole thing. It was bad. Uh, ended up having to have surgery and rehabilitate and all this stuff. Well, the problem is... Uh, playing banjo you kind of have to you kind of get that claw to get that tone that jd crow claw you know and and the way you arch your thumb back backwards you know i can't do that anymore like it's not physically possible for me to do that so i can't get i can't get the same tone that i got previously and it it really bothers me so i can't i don't really play much banjo anymore because that's a little aggravating. I'm sure there's probably some way that I can figure out to rig up some tape or something to get my hand back, you know, but or to get my thumb back. But anyway, so banjo's always been my favorite instrument. So I tend to like try to kind of keep things like if I was going to take a break on, say, Foggy Mountain Breakdown or something like that, I would try to play it real similar to what the banjo plays, you know. So I would do that, dun, dun, dee, dun, dee, dun, and I'd try to get that in there as much as I could. It wouldn't be a role. I, d- I don't play like Jesse McReynolds or anything like that, but but I would try to get those notes, those accent notes that the banjo would put in there. How how far into playing mandolin would you cut your fingers? Well, I, I, now I only cut the thumb. Or the thumb, uh, yeah, the thumb. How yeah. long how long were you into playing at that point? Ah, gosh, I was probably twenty. 425 oh wow so i've been i've been playing for 14 15 years Yikes. at that point and and i couldn't and and I, and I cut that thumb and we were going to bean blossom two weeks later and that's i was gonna jam you know and, yeah and 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 i was repeal i was doing everything i could to get it stretched out and everything and the cool thing was i could still hold a pick even though i was in a cast oh there you go so so I still played, even though I was in a in the in the cast there to keep my thumb from 
moving around too much. Wow. Did you have to, did it really mess with your um, grip overall after everything was healed and rehabilitated? No, not really. Cause I can, I can squeeze. Oh, no good, problem. good, good. Cause it's, it's the other direction. It cut the top of my thumb, right, right where the knuckle bends, you know? Whew. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yikes. Did you uh, did you get to go to the Grammys last year before all this stuff? I, then I didn't, unfortunately, because the way that album was, uh, the way the album was, the uh, record company wanted it to be a Michael Cleveland solo project. Oh. Even though we're on, even though we're on, you know, half of the album, it's still a solo project. So uh, uh, the uh, you know the, the 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 Grammys only gave tickets for Mike and a guest. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, so we didn't get to go to that. I, and I had to, <laughs> I got a participation paper f- from the Grammys, but I had to buy it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I guess money's probably tight for the Grammys. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Give me a break. So. Oh, my goodness. With playing a lot of the festivals and different things that you do and traveling around, have you gotten to meet some of your heroes? Bill Monroe, I, I did get to meet him one time. And uh, it was really cool because my dad, this was before I even played uh, much at all. It was probably 10 or 11 when I met Bill and my dad, uh, we were watching the show and we got up and my dad was going to take me up there to meet him, you know, and he said, go up there. And this is when, this is when Bean Blossom had the little stage. So you had to almost like break your legs to get down the stairs. <laughs> they were super steep. He said, get up there and help him down, you know? And I, I went up there and, and reached up to help Bill Monroe down. Who's probably the one of the strongest ever, you know, yeah. people alive. And dad's like, go help that old man down. I'm like, man, I, that's Bill Monroe, dude. <laughs> I don't think he needs help. He just had a heart attack. You know, he was he was up on stage. I think he had just had the heart attack that week or the week before. Or oh my like gosh! <laughs> and he was up on stage, and 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 he grabbed he did he he grabbed my hand, and I swear his hand had to have been, you know, if it was two foot hand, that's what it looked like as a ten year old. Oh, it had to have been two foot long when he grabbed a hold of me. Wow. <laughs> so here I am helping Bill Monroe down, who, who who lifted his whole band up on a log at one point in his life, <laughs> <right>. you know, <laughs> and, and it was cool. And, and and the cool thing was, is he, you know, I said, I'm, I play, man, my name's Nathan, I play mandolin. And he said, oh, yeah, 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 do you? And, and I asked him, I said, well, what kind of pick do you use? And he showed me, and I, and I, I'm pretty sure, I don't really remember all that well, but I think it was a tortoise shell at the time. Oh, wow, Apparently, yeah. Apparently, I, I, I played in with Butch Robbins for a while, who played with Bill back in the 80s. And uh, apparently, he told me he'd play with whatever uh, whatever he found. So, But at that time, he was playing with this big giant, what looked like a Dorito chip <laughs> uh, tortoise shell pit. <laughs> Those so, giant you know, hands. <laughs> hey, giant hands, giant pick. I, it was no business for me to have a pick like that. But of course, I told Dad we got to get one of those picks, and we got some tortoise shells after that. You know, and I, I didn't like them. <laughs> I, didn't like, I didn't like the sound of them. I didn't like how you had to keep them polished. You know, and all that kind of stuff. And plus, they're illegal. You know, yeah. yeah. There's all that. Uh, but but Bill gave me a quarter. After that, he said, here you go, boy, and gave me that quarter. And I kept that quarter and I, and I played and I kept that every time I played a gig, I had that quarter in my pocket up until, uh, up until I think about 95 when I was playing with a local fellow named Gary Brewer and we went down and played at the home place, uh, Bill Monroe's home place in Rosine, Kentucky. And, uh, 
we went uh, we went and visited his grave, and I saw that everybody had put their quarters there on his grave, and I put that quarter on Bill's grave, which was <laughs> which was kind of uh, you know a chilling experience, really. That's you know, a, that's so I amazing. Gave, I gave yeah, that's kind of got the hair on my arms standing up right now. That's a yeah. great story. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Wow. <laughs> How about any like uh, tips or different things you picked up from playing along and in, in, in all these years that you've really found has stuck around in your playing? Uh, tips. Uh, I mean, uh, one of the main main things is listening. Listening throughout the whole song. Uh, that's that's one one thing that I've have an issue with because of the ADD and stuff like that. It's real hard for me to concentrate. So. But actually listening to a song, not in a playing along and doing your thing way, but listening to what the other people are doing, listening to when the fiddle comes in a little ahead of the beat and it kind of brings it up and you, you kind of want to go along with that and, and go along with the groove of the music and stuff like that. So actually listening to the music and, and, and stuff like that is probably the biggest thing that you can do, you know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm explaining that very well. No, that's but, great. No, that makes total sense. Uh, I mean, I think that's one thing a lot of people kind of forget all about, especially sometimes in jam situations. You're like, you just want to go up there and show what you got. Well, yeah, and, and, I, and I did that. I did that for a long time. I would just play and I'd just be playing. You know, I wasn't listening to other people and, you know, I, I'm, you know, wasn't listening to the groove or if there might have not even been a groove to listen to, you know. <laughs> uh, but it was just, I was going up there doing my thing and that was it, you know, mm-hmm. but actually listening to the the bass player and listening to the banjo player and, you know, whoever else is in your band, you know, paying it kind of scanning the band, you know, yeah. or, or, you know, listening to each, each person and, and kind of getting a feel for maybe when you can add to what they're doing or what the singer's doing or all that kind of stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of what I've been trying to work on the past 10 years or so. so. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, you're doing a good job, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, I mean, like man. that first time I saw that video uh, of you guys <laughs> and I was like, I mean, obviously Michael's incredible. I'm like, I, yeah, do you, uh, do you know attention. what video that was? Man, I don't, but I bet you I, if I looked hard enough, I know you had like long hair, I think. And oh, yeah, gosh. It was, it, was, it was a minute ago. It was a while ago. Yeah, it was. that was when I first joined the band. That's been, it's almost been nine years I've been in this band. Now, Has it so. really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. Which means I've been in the band longer than the original band, which is kind of cool. Oh, no kidding. (laughs) Yeah. Have you, has it, has it been like, um, have you seen like the things change as far as like popularity and like more gigs, different spots and all that thing? Have you kind of noticed all that stuff taking place? Yeah. You know, I mean the whole ride with the whole Grammy thing and up to that point and, yeah, it's been, you know, we, we kind of had to rebuild when I first joined the band because, you know, there'd be, there'd be, Mike was doing, you know, he did, was doing the drinking thing, of course. So that kind of reputation was following him around and, uh, you know, and, and we kind of had to drop the pay to just get gigs for a, a while, you know, mm-hmm. nobody was real sure of what we'd be able to do, you know, because we, none of us had a name, so to speak. You know, we were nobodies. We were just parking lot pickers, you know, me and John. Uh, 
that's all that's all we did you know so yeah yeah we've got we've gained quite the following end up we have, I think we've got like probably 50 or 60,000 likes on Facebook now we've got a video that went viral it had like 8.6 million views that's so cool which yeah man it was and it all it was, was just a little snippet of Jerusalem Ridge you know but who knows it's sometimes you can't force things to go viral and Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, people try. <laughs> yeah. Some people got that thing figured out, that formula figured out, but yeah. I don't know it. Yeah, it's, it's probably better you don't. You know, yeah. let it happen naturally. Those people disappear yeah. soon. I mean, it's just yeah. cool to see all the hard work pay off, man. I mean, this is bluegrass is a tough business, man. <laughs> 2020, I thought 2020 was going to be our year up until about April, you know. Yeah. <laughs> then it ended up being nobody's year. So, you know. Mike hit that Grammy, you know, and, and, you know, yeah, I thought, man, 2020, this is going to be it. This is our, this is our time, you know, and, and Mike, you know, Mike was kind of collabing a little here and there with Billy Strings and the, you know, the little couple things here with Bela and a couple things here, with, you know, and all that was leading to cool places. You know, we were getting ready to get into more folk festivals and bigger venues like that. And then COVID, you know, kind of put a kibosh and all that stuff. Man, the last live show I saw um, was uh, the Billy Strings Strings in the Hall, with and Michael oh, was a guest wow. at that. And nice, dude, that was a good show, huh? Oh my gosh! And I'll tell you what, I mean, there's all those killer special guests, but the mm -hmm. only person I picked my phone up to shoot video of not just Michael playing, but the crowd going abs. I mean, he ripped the roof off that place. It was. And it was yeah. amazing. You don't see stuff like do that. It. Yeah. He you know, and, and you know, you could just, you could tell it was like, it was just like all in the moment. Like he was just soloing and like the band was going to come back in and Billy's just waving everybody off. Like, let him keep going. <laughs> it was yeah. just, it was, it was pretty rad. You yeah, know? man, he can do it. He can do it. Yeah. For sure. Well, the whole band can. That's the killer thing. And that's why yeah. I love your playing too, because it's just like, again, at the, I, I, you know, I remember like seeing Nickel Creek for the first time. And again, obviously Thiele's incredible, but I'm like, yeah, look at who's, who's playing fiddle. I mean, right? like who's, who's this, this girl playing fiddle with this guy <laughs> that is ex just as good. You know what I mean? And right. that was the feeling I got the first time I saw Michael Cleveland video was, you know, yeah, he's, he's great. His name's on the thing there, oh, but man. who's this guy playing mandolin too? <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Gosh. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to have to look up that video now. I'm, uh, it's going to drive me crazy. Oh, but I'll don't, find it, don't, buddy. Don't. I, I probably know which video it is. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it definitely would be old because I remember it was, God, it had to have been when I first moved down to Charleston so it'd be uh, it, um, yeah it'd be old it'd be old so it'd been when you first were in the band probably but regardless yeah, yeah. it was killer yeah the, the long that? hair the long hair ages me for sure <laughs> and, uh, you know I'm I was a new pup back then I don't know why I thought it would be a good idea because I had I, I had the same haircut I have now you know years before that but it's like uh, I don't know I thought maybe just a change of Look would be cool to do. <laughs> yeah, hey, look, it looks cool. Yeah, man, it looks fine. I look like a shaggy dog, you know. Me, uh. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about gear real quick. So you had that Kentucky, sure. but obviously, I'm guessing you've uh, you've um, moved on from the Kentucky in in all these years. Yeah, yeah, I had me a uh, uh, dad got me a Gibson Fern. It was actually a F5L because it was a '92, and they weren't they weren't they weren't actually calm. Uh, ferns at that time and uh and he got me that mandolin it was a good sound of mandolin and 
and all that. Uh, and I still had the Kentucky. I still have the Kentucky to this day. My brother plays on. Oh, sweet man! Uh, but uh, that Gibson, uh, it was great for a long time, and then something happened to it. And 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 apparently, this era of Gibsons, the I think ninety twos, uh, there was a certain builder that didn't quite do it right, and the top ended up caving in on that mandolin. It won't now. Yeah, and uh, and. I, you know, of course, I'm heartbroken. And uh, well, at the time, I, I told you I was playing with with Butch Robbins. Butch Robbins was playing banjo in that band with Charlie Lawson, and uh, uh, and he introduced me to Charlie Darrington. Oh, nice! Uh, and Charlie Darrington said, "I showed him that manly." He said, "Well, that's not right," and that's all he said to me. He said, <laughs> "Come." Come on down to Nashville. We'll get you fixed up. And so I did. After he was, this was at IBMA where I met Charlie. <clears throat> and I walked into the Gibson store there uh, when they had it there at the uh, Opry Ball. Yeah, the, I've been there. Or had been there, yeah. And uh, uh, I put the mandolin up on the uh, up, up on the uh, the desk there, and Charlie came out and handed me a brand new one and took that open. And I don't know what he did with it. Probably chopped it up to bits. Uh but wow. he handed me, it was a 2014, I believe it was. Yeah, 2014, I'm pretty sure it was. So it was a Gibson Fern at that time. So it went from a you know, a, a $4,000 mandolin to a, a $8,500 yeah. mandolin. I'm like, holy crap, are you sure? You know, and he's like, yeah, yeah, lifetime warranty, you know. And I was like, holy cow. That's, so, um, that's amazing. <clears throat> ended up getting that one and I played on that one for years and years and years. Uh, and it, it was great mandolin, you know? And, uh, and then I, I here recently, since I've been in the band, I, I started wanting to kind of get into these new builders, you know, and, and I met a guy out in California that was building fern or not fern copies, uh, lower copies, you know? And, uh, man, he, he and this guy named, uh, Dan, Daniel, I believe his name was, uh, anyways, he, uh, he had one of those vessel mandolins, and and uh, I played that, and it was already sold. Because if it wasn't already sold, I'd I'd have bought it. From oh wow! There. But it was already sold to that guy, and I said, "Man, it, it, would you ever consider doing a partnership with somebody like me? Maybe you know, uh, maybe give me you know a decent price on a mandolin, and then and I, and I tell people about it, you know." All that kind of stuff. So yeah, he agreed to that, and I ended up getting the mandolin for a good price. Oh, that's great, man! And, and I played, and that was the mandolin I used on. Well, I tell you, that's the mandolin that been on both the uh, the Flamekeeper albums. Uh, was that that vessel mandolin? Actually, no, 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 no. I, I take that back. I take that back. Uh, the the vessel was on Tall Fiddler, but it wasn't on On Down the Line. The, that the Gibson was on On Down the Line. Yeah. But you had the vessel uh, and, that was on the Mandolin Monday that you did for David right. Benedict. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I remember that. I need to make another one because I've moved on to a different mandolin now. Yeah. So a, what's the new? Let's. I think Michael. Um, I don't know if we talked about it on the episode or after the episode, but I know you got. A, I knew you got a new mandolin. Yeah, I've got a. I've got a Kimball now. Yeah. Uh, which is, which I don't know. Your uh, the the guy uh, uh, Andy Statman plays those mandolins, and then uh, the guys from. Uh, Steep Canyon Rangers hit that mandolin player has one, and there's a few other guys out there that play them. Will Will Kimball, man, he's a heck of a builder, and and I had played his mandolins right after 
I made that deal with Gary or right, right. It was right before, right after. And I'm like, man, these are great. And then I, I played Gary's mandolin. I'm like, okay, well, this guy's, you know, and I ended up talking to, uh, Will again <clears throat> and he was up for, you know, maybe we do a little swap, you know? So I ended up trading him my, uh, Gibson, which I still had, uh, uh, when I had the vessel, I still had that Gibson and I ended up trading my Gibson for the, uh, the Kimball that I have now, which quite frankly is probably my favorite mandolin I've ever had. The vessel sounded awesome. Don't get me wrong, but the, that, uh, the Kimball's got everything I'm kind of looking for in a mandolin. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool, man. How long have you had that for now? I think, t- uh, going on two years now. Well, yeah. Yeah, I've never played a Kimball that ever sounded bad. No, most of those two points that he's got out there, those are great mandolins, you know. Dude, Dil- there's there's a guy, uh, Dylan McCarthy, out of Colorado. Um, he's uh, I follow him on Instagram, and he had a really cool EP come out just last year or the year before, and he got a two-point. And every video he posts with that, it, I mean, that thing is a cannon. Yeah, yeah, and this one's this one's I got to pick out of three. Oh, cool! To, which he had three built and ready to play there, and I got to pick the one I wanted. And this one, this one had it. Now he had one that was slightly louder, but this one had everything mm-hmm. that I wanted. It, it, it's clear as a bell up the neck, and just you know, it's got that tone uh, that you want. You know, that kind of deep woody uh, thing to it. Oh, once you you know when you know too. Like, you go yeah. you know, go to Carter and play every mandolin on that wall, and you're gonna find that one that no whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh yeah, this guy, uh, this one's killer. <laughs> I was well, you're you gonna know, buy I, it, but <laughs> I played a, a few old lores and stuff like that. I don't know if I'd ever have one. To be frank with you, those those real old mandolins. Now, I, now that being said, I've only played a couple of them. It just seems like you get a, they got to get a lot of work done. It seems like a lot of them, or any one that I've played. I mean, I haven't played Reichman's Lore. You know what I mean? Which that could be a right. And that could yeah, be a game right. changer. The, the, those mandolins, and I, I've never got to play Monroe's Lore. I've never got to play. You know, uh, anybody else's real. What you hear are the lores to play. You know, uh, but uh, I don't know. I wouldn't take it over this. But I, this is everything I'm looking for in a mandolin. You know. Uh, I finally got my axe. You know that's, what I mean? Yeah, so, that's so great. Uh, it's it's it, you know it's an inspiring instrument to play, and that's what you look for in in an instrument. I think. Well, I got two more questions here, Nathan. This has been fun, man. That's, yeah, uh, that's yeah. such a good time. I I always gotta I gotta oh, I gotta get better at like looking at the clock, man, because sometimes I just. I lose track of time. Like, holy cow, it's almost been an hour already. <laughs> right. Um, so the uh, the first question I'm going to ask, I ask everybody this question, and that is, um, if you had 10 minutes a day to just pick up your mandolin to, and you could tell somebody to focus on just one thing for 10 minutes, what would you tell them to work on? Chopping. Any particular way you'd go about it? Rhythm, man. Just I, I play with albums, play with people, play with you know, music, play with, you know, play with your click. Yes. Play with your, your metronome, record yourself, you know, <clears throat> and actually listen to your recording of yourself. And you'll hear, Oh, I'm not quite with that. Oh, I'm a little head there. Oh, I kind of waver here and there. But, uh, if you can get your chop down 
to where it's rock solid, man. You've really got something. First time I went to the studio, you realize how bad your chop can be when you listen yes. back to a playback. You're like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sound like Sam Bush. When, when they when they got to go in there and, and digitally move your chop back a millimeter, it's like, <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Ugh. yeah. So and I and I still got a long road. You know, I'm still still learning, but yeah. That's why you're. That's why you're as great as you are, dude. It's because you think that way. You're you you're everybody. You, you, everybody can always get better, and that's why all the great players remain great and get better. Oh man, <laughs> that's, there, there's a lot of great players out there for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think part of that is you know they they keep striving for it. You know, like Mike Marshall, I've yeah. had him on here a couple times, and he's still looking for it, man. Gosh, that dude's a monster for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like it's a different animal in his hands. It's like what's yeah. going on here? <laughs> yeah. You've seen those videos with him and Thiele together, right? Dude, that that was the sh- I saw them live together at the Ark in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and yeah. um, that place holds four hundred people, and it changed my life, uh, literally. Yeah, it was yeah. like you could either take it two ways. You could be like, I'm never going to pick up a mandolin again, or you could look at what the mandolin can do and the whole drive right. home. I couldn't wait yeah. to play. You know, I'm like oh, now, boy. now to be frankly honest, a lot of that stuff was over my head, but. Oh, it's over my head to too, man. It, to see it being done, I'm like, okay, well, okay, then yeah, it can be done. Yeah. <laughs> my first experience with Thiele, uh, first time I ever heard him, I was, I had the TV on, was like on a country station for whatever reason. I don't listen to country, but for whatever reason, that time it was on like TNN or something, one of those old stations that's not around anymore. Uh, the Nashville Network, I think it was at the time. But they would, every once in a while, they would feature bluegrass on there. And I had fallen asleep, and I was woken up by a mandolin being played that, I, that I'd never heard played like that before. And it was him, and I think he was probably like 12. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like doing triplets and doing all this stuff. I was like, what in the world? He was doing some kind of tapping thing on the mandolin as he was playing. And I and I, I wish that I could see that video again of him doing that because it was one of the coolest things. It was like he was almost playing it like a, an electric. He was doing a tap. Oh, my gosh. No tap. way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Like, what? This little dude is wearing this mandolin out. <laughs> and so, of course, I went out and I bought his first two albums. I think it was leading off and stealing second, you know. And I could I could understand a lot of what he was doing on those albums. And then the next album I got of his, I was like, oh, this dude has morphed into something completely different than what I am. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's gone to the next level. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible, man. It's, uh, it's wild. It's, some people just think, dip, you know, they just think yeah. and hear things differently. I think it's, it's crazy. Sure. But I respect yeah. all of it. You know what I mean? I'm like, absolutely. I, I can listen to Thiele and then I can sit down and listen to Bill Ma- the Monroe Brothers. First album does the same yeah. thing for me. Or the first, you know, those early recordings is just the duo. D- they do the same thing for me as, you know, a Thiele crushing it the way he does it. You can listen. If you listen to anybody play, you can find something good in it. You know, most, most of the time. Yeah, you know, I agree. I've I've seen I've seen you know pickers that in a jam or something like that where they weren't doing so hot, but then they'd do a cool lick, you know. And I'm like, oh, well, that's cool. I'll try to pick that up, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I do. I 100% know what you mean. <laughs> I'm always looking. And then the uh, the final question is: Do you have a favorite beer? 
Favorite beer. Uh, let's see. I'm not much of a beer drinker, but a Blue Moon is probably me, my thing. I got turned on to wheat beers. I, I, the first one I ever had was a, a Weinstefaner. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, I, and I'm not into the microbreweries or anything like that. I just, the, the, the hops taste, I'm not really into too much, but... <laughs> Yeah, wheat beer is me. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Well, dude, hopefully here in 2021, or if not 2021, 2022, I'll be able to catch a show with you guys, and uh, we can yeah, man. we can have a wheat beer together. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, there you go. So yeah. that'd be great, man. Well, Nathan, thank you so much for doing this. It's been a pleasure, man. I, I really no appreciate problem. it. Yeah, it was fun. All right, another great conversation. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, be sure to check out all my sponsors, Mandolin Cafe, Peghead Nation, Northfield Mandolins, Ear Trumpet Labs, and Ellis Mandolins. You guys have yourself a great week. Cheers.